What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rich Sports. And today is going to be a big one. It's trade deadline day in the NBA. We got the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. A lot of things happening in the sports world in the next few days that, you know, you should have your eye on, you know, pay attention to or, you know, just watch as a casual fan. We'll start today off talking about the blockbuster moves that have been happening in the NBA over the course of this past week or two, getting closer to the trade deadline. We're looking at all these trades. You got last night, Josh Hart gets traded to the Knicks for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish gets sent to Portland. You get Jacopoto. He's going to Toronto for uh, King Burke. That's a great pickup if they decide to make a push this season with the team currently constructed. Uh, Kyrie obviously being traded to Dallas. That was a huge move. A lot of questions there whether people think, you know, their offense will get them to places they want to go or will their defense let them down the way they can't, their offense, you know, has no control of where they go. Um then last, earlier this morning, Kevin Durant gets traded to Phoenix. He gets traded to Phoenix. Him and TJ Warren go to Phoenix. Cam Johnson, Bridges, Crowder, and a couple of picks, they go to Brooklyn. What do I take out of this deal? I take out of this deal that the Suns are at the bottom half of the playoff picture. Now they get Kevin Durant when he gets healthy, coming at, back after that all-star break. The Suns will be a force to be reckoned with. I personally am not a big fan of the Suns. I don't, you know, I like teams when they're in that rebuild process and when they are finally about to start winning games. You see the potential. I saw the potential in the Suns. They had all the, you know, the young guys, the young pieces. Devin Booker, you know, being a the leader there, all they needed was just another, maybe a vet in which they got, a vet that can take them to that next step. When they were in that bubble, they won every game in that bubble and did not make the playoffs or, you know, or the play-in. That was the starting point of a turn for the Phoenix Suns. So now we fast forward all the way to today. You've been to multiple playoff, uh, playoff second round appearances with Chris Paul. You've gotten to the finals with Chris Paul. Where is the next step? You guys traded for Kevin Durant. The next step is to win a championship now. That's always been the goal before they even traded for Bridges. Uh, well, for Kevin Durant, excuse me. Now... You got, you have Kevin Durant. There is no, wait a minute. I know they were competing every year with Chris Paul, but I'm going to be honest with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Aiton, and DeAndre Aiton, the team that was constructed before the deal. Sorry. Injuries or no injuries, that's not a championship team. They had, they, that team had their run at winning a championship when they were running all over the East and the West, being the top team in the NBA. You ran into the Bucks, and Giannis gave you that 50 piece to take the championship to Milwaukee. So I feel like, my opinion, that was that run for that team. 
Now you got Kevin Durant. You start. You're not going to start fresh, but this is almost a, a new page. It's not a new book. It's a new page. You add Kevin Durant for this last two to three season, uh, three months of the season. Your expectations now is to at least get home court advantage. No matchup in the West will be easy in the first round. You have to play ball in the West. So for the Suns to gain traction, they got to win games, especially when Kevin Durant gets back. I don't think there will be room to have multiple errors because it's the halfway mark of the season. So... Of course, they're going to lose games. Of course, they're going to have games where they're still trying to learn how each other plays. But around late March, these guys, they have to be clicking as a team. These guys are already in mid-season form as individual players. But as a team, as a unit, these guys have to click. I don't think it will be a huge problem because of who they got is Kevin Durant. I just think when the lights are the brightest... You don't want that to be an issue. Guys not knowing what to expect out of other guys. Kevin Durant in Brooklyn, because he was there for so long, he knew what to expect out of the guys that he was playing with. So when he was on the floor, it made it a little bit more easier for him to make decisions. Who to pass it to? Should I take this shot? Should I control the rock on this possession? It just made it a little easier for him, you know, to control the narrative around the around the team when they were on the court. And Phoenix, now you're in the latter half of the season. I don't know, you know, how they're going to, you know, start it off or what they're going to do. But my guess is try to get Kevin Durant acclimated as fast as possible. So when playoff time come, you guys have zero excuses on why you guys didn't, you know, grasp the opportunity just no excuses have zero excuses next on the board we could keep talking about the suns all day but let's switch over to the mavericks now kevin durant's former counterpart in kyrie Irving. the mavericks sent spencer Dewitty, dorian finney smith and some picks for kyrie Irving and markeith morris My thoughts on the initial trade, because I wanted Kyrie to go to L.A. to play with Bron. Bron gets Kyrie, like Bron said. I know this guy can win championships because we've done it. That was a championship. I don't care where the Lakers were ranked in the standings as of now, as of today. Kyrie would have got to the Lakers. That would have been a championship. But it's not here, so we're not going to keep talking about it. We're not you know, going to cry over spilled milk. Kyrie to the Mavs. Last night, they played the Clippers. Perfect test for Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks to play the Clippers. You play two elite defenders in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The team is a great defensive team. The team is a great defensive team. Let's put that out there. The Clippers are a great defensive team. Kyrie Irving... I think he had 24 last night. 
It got off to a hot start with Reggie Bullock hitting about four straight threes to start the game off. So that tells you right then and there, oh, the offense can click. If it's hot, oh, man, that's scary. And that wasn't even Kyrie Irving. That was Reggie Bullock. You got, I think, what was it, 12 quick points from Reggie Bullock to start the game. Kyrie Irving hasn't even scored a single bucket yet. When he finally does score, I mean, obviously the game kind of, you know, evens out. The Clippers try to get back in the game. But the Mavericks always had their foot on the Clippers, you know, neck. Yeah, you can get close, but we're going to make a push and we're going to, you know, get far away from you as possible. And the Mavericks handle business last night. There's nothing you can say, but those guys handle business, especially with it being Kyrie Irving's first game with the Mavericks. And not to mention, this Mavericks team, just a couple of nights ago, without Luka, went on the road against Utah and was going back and forth for Utah, changing leads, trading leads, and managed to pull that game out with great defense and great shooting because the Jazz couldn't hit the side of a backboard, you know, the other night. So now you, you carry that momentum. It's the Jazz. The Jazz aren't the Clippers defensively. Now you go on to the Clippers and you hold the Clippers to 90-something points. I mean, it's one game. You can take it however you want to take it. But right there, if I'm the Mavs, if I'm Luka, if I'm Jason Kidd, Cuban, all those guys, what I saw from Kyrie Irving without Luka should be encouraging. Because now... You have a guy, now if Luka missed games, you, you hope he doesn't miss games, but if Luka has to miss games for whatever reason, now you have a guy, okay, if Luka, you got to sit out with a sore toe, sit out with a sore toe. Kyrie Irving, come on, lead this Mavericks team to a win. You got that guy now. You don't have to worry if, okay, if Luka's out, who is going to score this ball? Who is going to make the next play? Who is going to make the right play for my guys? So now I think that void is filled. I will say, they can't go into the playoffs with this team as constructed. I do feel as if they should make a move today or maybe sign someone off free agency to give them a defensive piece. When you have Kyrie and Luka on the court, I will say, yes, that is an offensive juggernaut. Luka himself, teams already fear Luka by himself. So you add Kyrie Irving to the mix. That offense, is, it, it won't be stopped unless those guys aren't making shots. Defensively is where you have the issue. My personal opinion, I think they should go ahead and slot JaVale McGee right there in that five spot. Let him play the traditional big man. The pick and roll game will be very wide open for Luka or Kyrie, whichever one of these guys are running it, for lob, maybe the mid-range, draw a foul, even kick out. I think all the options will be open for them because those two guys are very good at controlling the tempo, the pace of the game, and knowing what they want to do. So with Kyrie and Luka, do you think these guys can win your championship in the West? I think it's possible. The only way it's ever possible is if these guys can find 
a legit defender. I'm not discrediting anybody on the Mavericks team currently because Bullock, he's known to be their defender. Dwight Powell, he can play very good defense on the bigs, but he's just undersized. That's why I think McGee would be perfect. Uh, you got, uh, what's his name? Josh Green. Josh Green, he's coming into his own. He's just got to get more time, more experience on the court. He'll be fine. Uh, what's the other guard? Jalen Hardy. These are all guys that you haven't heard of, but now you got to pay attention to because these guys will probably play prominent roles longer down the ride, longer down the line with the Mavericks. That bench unit has to be strong. So can the Mavericks win a championship again? I think they can. You just got to find you a defensive player. The low right now, I would be shocked. They Right now, they'll, they'll be playing the Suns in the first round. And I'll still be shocked if the, if the Mavericks are first round outs this year. Luka has... Luka is different. Let's just say that right now. There's no explanation on why Luka is Luka. He's just Luka. You know when Luka's on that court, you know what you're going to get from Luka. Magic. You're going to get Luka magic. You add that with Kyrie. You know what you're going to get with Kyrie. And especially when that fourth quarter comes. And there's nobody better in the league than Mr. Fourth Quarter himself and Kyrie Irving. So... With those two guys, I think the sky's the limit. I think they can win the championship. I don't see a first-round outs for those guys. They just got to find a defensive piece. A defensive piece can, I think that's almost a lot to say that they can get to the Western Conference Finals again. Depending on the matchups as well. I, I, I'll say that. Depending on the matchups, that's almost a lot to get back to the Western Conference Finals. So, with that being said, the Mavericks, a couple months left in the season, just stay focused, stay locked in, do what, these, do what you guys have to do in order to have great position in going into the playoffs, win games, stay healthy, and the Mavericks can potentially do some big things. So, we're on to the next subject of today's episode, and... The Lakers made a trade earlier in the week. They're getting rid of Westbrook, Toscano Anderson, and I think it was Damian Jones to get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt from Utah. Westbrook goes to Utah as well. And they also receive D'Angelo Russell. They give up the 2027 pick. The Jazz are in a rebuild stage, so it's not much to say there. They started off hot to begin the season, fizzled out. So they'll probably still be a playing team, though. But it's not much to say there. You know, the, the Jazz are in a rebuilding stage. You know what they're trying to do. The Timberwolves, you gain an expiring contract, obviously, because you didn't want D'Lo anymore. So after that, after, you know, Conley is gone, 
because I'm pretty sure this will probably be rent a year. After Conley's gone, you have free money. What are you going to do with it? No, better yet, my question is, who are you going to gain interest from to come to Minnesota? And who are you going to give interest to to come to Minnesota? Those are the top two questions that management, coaching staff, and even the players will have to ask themselves going into the offseason. I don't think the Timberwolves with Cat, without Cat, are any good. Cat is a very good player. I just don't think he has what it takes to be the top guy on the team or one of the top guys on the team and get you somewhere where you can say, hey, we can build on this next year and we keep building, we can potentially find or find ourselves competing for a championship. I don't think Cat is that type of player. He's a very good player. I don't think he's the guy that can be the top guy on your team and take your team to the promised land. Rudy Gobert, I don't understand what people see in Rudy Gobert for him to be a three-time depoy, this, that, and the third. It's a lot of seven-footers that can block shots and not dunk the ball. And when they do dunk the ball, they barely know how to dunk the ball. It's a lot of seven-footers out here like that. Rudy Gobert just happened to be the special one. So in Minnesota, there's nothing really good about Minnesota outside of Anthony Edwards. He is your guy. You got to find some way to get people to come to Minnesota to play with Anthony Edwards. If you don't do that, you find yourself in a situation to where you might end up losing Anthony Edwards. If he doesn't, the way the league is now, guys can say they want out and it will be granted to them, whether it takes years or months, not even years, months or weeks. It will be granted in some way, shape or form. So if the Timberwolves aren't doing anything to satisfy Anthony Edwards, if they're constantly in this same position that they're in, does he stay? Yes, they're in the play in spot, but. I'm looking at all these playing teams from Suns, Warriors, Thunder, the Lakers. The Timberwolves are possibly the worst of all of them. The Jazz, the Blazers, they are the worst of all of them. Maybe not worse than the Jazz, but the Jazz can definitely compete with the Timberwolves. And that's that should be a shame to say. But... That's reality. The Timberwolves aren't what I don't know if anybody expect them to be anything. So I'm not even going to say that. I'll just say the Timberwolves aren't a team that teams around the league should fear. That yes, they can potentially get a couple of games off you, but that's not a team you should fear. You know what you can do to that team. So with that, I don't I don't see the Timberwolves in the playoffs this year. I don't see them even, you know, yeah, they'll be in a play-in spot, but they I don't even see them winning a game in a play-in. That's just that's just me. So moving on to the Lakers. You get D Lo. D Lo, man, 
it's so funny because D'Lo led the, I think, what was it? The 2019 Nets and to, into battle uh, in the playoffs. And he was all-star that year. He had a career year. Fresh off getting, you know, fresh off a not-so-great first stint in L.A. So, D'Lo was on the rise. And then when that trade happened, it just kind of like, I don't know. It, when he got sent to the Warriors, I thought that was almost a match made in heaven. Especially, you know, him playing with Curry, but then Curry gets hurt. So it's kind of a fizzle out year. Now they go and trade him and assign a trade to go get Wiggins. Now he was stuck in Minnesota and that upward trend that he had started in 2019, it kind of just fizzled out. Like nobody was paying attention to what D'Lo was doing. And on top of that, D'Lo wasn't creating any noise for himself as well. So now I'll call this the rebirth. D'Lo has never been a bad player. He has never been a poor player. He's always been a pure point guard. Of course, he has to learn the game, get the experience. Now that he has the experience, now that he has the feel for the game, he's back in L.A. and he's playing with LeBron James. <laughs> Look, Bron has always wanted to play with Pass first point guard. I'm not saying D'Lo is a pass first point guard, but D'Lo is the type of point guard to where he will take the back seat. And I'll say this now: he's gonna take the back seat most nights because he's gonna find ways to get Bron and AD open. D'Lo can go off for twenty and twenty and eight any given night, so that's not a problem. Now. He just got to get himself acclimated to playing with Bron. System fit. Just be a system fit for right now. And the rest will come. Same thing with Beasley and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt gives you defense. He can rebound the ball. He can take a lot of toll off of LeBron James being down there, down low on the defensive side. Uh, even AD. Definitely give AD and Bron extensive minutes on the bench, even though I don't know how you would want to take that. I, that's up to Darvin Ham. Malik Beasley, he's been shooting lights out from three this year. That's a great pickup. I don't know. I mean, I'm not looking back on it. If the Jazz are in the rebuild, I, I guess they really don't care who they would give up unless, you know, it was marketing. But getting Beasley, that adds a pure score right there. You can pair him up with Lonnie Walker and let those guys run that bench unit and have at it. I mean, I think that's a nice fit. You get Dennis Schroeder to run with that bench unit. Thomas Bryant. That's they have a, a a nice complete team now. So the Lakers, I will say, watch out for them. Let them get a couple of win streaks in. The Lakers can potentially be five, six, even four. I don't think it's out of the reach. They just got to play good basketball. Now that Bron's got the record out the way, 
nothing should, you know, interfere with these guys going in each and every night trying to win games. So, yes, the Lakers have made a smart move. They fleeced the Jazz and the Timberwolves. Now, make it happen. Polinka pulled something off of Bron. Bron, you pull it off again, which I know he can do. You pull it off again. There's it's already nothing else to be said. But don't even think about it no more. Bron gets the Lakers to the playoffs. Gets them to a finals, wins another championship. Nothing is impossible with Bron. There's nothing to say. And I'll leave it on that. The Lakers made a great move for right now, regular season-wise. They'll definitely be a lock for the play-in, I believe. But no team will be just laying down. So it will be hard. It will be, you know, a challenge. No team will lay down in the West. So the Lakers are going to have to show that they're willing, ready, and able to, you know, do whatever it takes to get to the playoffs and get to the promised land. And all in all, guys, trade deadline special. A lot of teams are making moves to improve their roster. The Raptors traded King Burke for Jacopoto. I will say this for the Raptors. The Raptors decided to keep the team as constructed. Grabbing Jacopoto is a move that will tell everyone they're going to make a push to try to get into the playoffs. Make a push. The Raptors aren't bad. The road just hasn't been their friend. <clears throat> and that's been with a lot of teams. So if the Raptors can get the ball going, they got great skilled players, guys that have been there for a long time. So I don't think chemistry or connection is an issue. They just got to win more games, be more consistent, shoot the ball better. Siakam averaging 25, 7, and 6. I don't understand how that man didn't make the all-star team. But when you got a guy like that who's on a superstar level, nobody talks about him. You got to do whatever it takes. And grabbing Poto was the right move. I don't think you want to constantly play small ball because that's what they really play. They just have great size in that small ball. Precious Achua is like 6'8", 6'9". Now you get a legit, mean, mugged, seven-footer in Jacopoto who can rim protect. He protects the rim. I'll say this. He protects the rim better than Rudy Gobert. This is what I'm, this is what I'm saying. He protects the rim better than Rudy Gobert. You get you a rim protector and a guy that can block shots at a nice rate. It changes the dynamic of their defense. Their offense might take a little hit, but I think you can live with that because that guy can definitely stop a lot of possessions on the defensive side with his size and paint presence for the Raptors. So I definitely think if the Raptors don't make any more moves around their big guy, big stars like Van Vliet or even trading OG Ananobi, the Raptors should be a team that I will watch out for going into the latter half of the season and even the play-in playoffs because they, just like any team above them in the East, they can beat any team in the East given the right circumstances. So if the Raptors can find a ways to 
hold on on the road and not struggle as much, they'll be a fine team. And if they stay as, you know, stay put with the team, maybe add some death on the bench, then they'll be fine. I think they'll make that one last push and potentially even get into the playoffs just with their experience and the guys that they have. The Celtics are trading for Mike Muscala, another big. I think that works for them. You want to be safe on the safe side. You don't know what could ever happen with Rob Williams or Al Horford. They like their team, so that's a nice pickup for position needs or trying to make sure that you have a surplus of something just in case, just just in case, the Celtics are the top team in the East. There's not too much bad things to say about them. They just added an, another extra death piece. Hey, emergency. So that's a great move by the Celtics. It's not too much to really say there. So that's a great move by the Celtics. Um, The Heat are still in talks with trying to maybe trade Kyle Lowry. I've heard that Westbrook could potentially maybe an option going to Miami if he's bought out in Utah. I like that. Kyle Lowry to me is not good. I don't know what Kyle Lowry brings to a team that no other point guard, Gabe Vincent, can't bring you in a starting five. So if they could get rid of Kyle Lowry and that money that they you know, owe him, hey, get rid of him. I don't think he's, I don't think he's holding back the heat, but I don't think he's helping the heat. So with that being said, if you can find a suitor that can take Kyle Lowry, that will take Kyle Lowry willingly, I would do it. Maybe a team like, I don't know, maybe, it's hard to say. Because if I'm being honest, I will be talking to the Rockets or the Pistons or the Hornets and maybe trying to dump him off to one of those teams for a nice young guy or even a guy that's on a has a, a, a fairly nice deal like a Terry Rozier. If the Heat can potentially make a deal to go get Terry Rozier for Kyle Lowry, that is a perfect, perfect deal because not only can Kyle Lowry, not excuse me, not Kyle Lowry, t- Terry Rozier, play the one but he can also play the two he can shoot the ball yes he might have some some lumps on the defensive side but you can live with that because of the offense that he brings you so maybe look at guys like that if you want to talk to the pistons maybe the pistons can put a package up for kyle lowry and then buy buy him out i don't know but i don't think there's really a lot of options for the heat to potentially trade kyle lowry because the value there is just not there anymore. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think he has, he's ever had any great value. I'll say, I'm not doubting Kyle Lowry, but I'll say this about Kyle Lowry. Funny story. Kyle Lowry, I want to say 2016, whatever year Dwayne Wade went back to the heat. Kyle Lowry missed every single shot in the game in, in the playoffs, the heat. I think we're finna go up 2-1 in the series. Kyle Lowry gets the ball, fourth quarter. He throws up a full-court shot, makes the shot. They go to overtime, the Raptors win the game. From that moment on, 
there is no room left for me to like Kyle Lowry. I just can't stand Kyle Lowry. That's a big game, and he's only he only made one shot, and that was the full court shot that he made. Just uh, stuff like that. So I don't know what value Lowry brings to you. A little off topic, but I don't know what value Lowry brings to you. If anything, what is he, 34, 35? I think the Heat really might just be stuck with Lowry. The Pistons, they want a package or nothing for both uh, Bonjanovic. They'll rather keep him if you're not going to give him a package. I don't think there's teams left that have enough assets to give the Pistons for Bonjanovic. So I think that's almost another case where Bonjanovic might be stuck in Detroit. But who knows? The Kings might start calling. Even the Heat might call the, the Pacers. I mean, not the Pacers, the Pistons you know, about Banyan Banyanovic. So he's in a tough situation. The Pistons are in a tough situation. They'll like to keep him, but if they get a package that they like, they wouldn't mind giving him up. So that's something else I would keep my eye out on. What will the Nets do? Will the Nets stay put? Will they continue to make moves? Or will they, you know, stay as constructed after the few trades that they have made? I think the Nets have put themselves in a better position than they would have if they just let everything play out to the end of the season. So you you added Bridges, Cam Johnson, Cam uh, Jay Crowder might be out of there. You get Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. They're talking about maybe trading Dinwiddie, trying to flip him for something. They have a nice team, young team. It's not a win-now team. You got Claxton, who's in conversation for defensive player of the year. Ben Simmons is obviously underperformed, or I wouldn't even say underperformed. He hasn't lived up to what we know Ben Simmons, to what we know Ben Simmons is capable of. So I just think if the Nets decide to make no moves, you can run it as is constructed. They might fall down a couple slots. I don't think they fall all the way out of the playoffs because it's the East. I definitely think they'll probably become a play-in team now. But there are still pieces there. They can still win games. They can still win a lot of games. Cam Thomas has played like a season vet over the last two to three games. So you got some promise there, man. You just got to. I'll say with the Nets, I guess you just got to see it through. You got young guys. You just got to see it through if you want to you wanna keep guys, you want to bring guys. Brooklyn is not a hard place to get superstars to come to just because of the city, the market. Brooklyn Nets, the Barclays Center. It's a lot of stuff in Brooklyn that can get some superstar to come play in Brooklyn. They have players on the team. So now... It's all up for the Nets. It's all about, you know, finding the right pieces and building on top of building. Keep building. That's all it is. Just keep building. You ridded yourself of a major headache and Katie and Kyrie. You can look at it that way instead of looking at it as you guys fumble the bag. So with the Nets, they just 
they they won the trades. You just got to keep building. Just keep building, keep building. Maybe something will be there in the long run. As for the Cavs, the hometown team, I've been seeing a lot of reports on Love being out of the rotation, not playing games. He's been hurt. Trying to see what we can get for him on the market. A couple of years ago, if I heard this, man, I would have been so excited to trade Kevin Love. Get him out of here. I don't know what he's doing here in Cleveland. He's stealing money from us. But over the last year, kind of fell back in love with Kevin Love. He adapted to the young guys. And it was so fluent how it happened he didn't care about not starting I'll be the sixth man off the bench he didn't care about how many minutes he was going to play at night he didn't care about whether he was going to play he came in ready to go for that team last year so it made me kind of fall in love with Kevin Love again so now we're here now and we're hearing reports that he could potentially be on the outs they might trade him. It's almost the same as Kyle Lowry. We want to be realistic. You don't have to take on the whole contract, but who would want to trade for Kevin Love? I don't know if there's a market for Kevin Love. There potentially might be a market for Kevin Love because guys are, that aren't better than Kevin Love aren't, you know, can, can't do the things that Kevin Love can do at his position. Those guys, you know, have some type of value but when you got a guy like love he's aging he he can't really stay on the court as much as you would like him to and this year he hasn't really made a a very good resume for himself hasn't been he hasn't been what we wanted them to be off that bench this year so i think with him potentially might being traded, I have to ask myself, what do the Cavs need if we do make this trade? We need a big. If we're going to be honest here, we definitely need a big. I could say, you know, who's out there? I don't know if there's a team willing to help the Cavs to give us a big. I don't think we would even shop for a big. I think we could potentially go after another wing, but with the way our wings have been playing lately, a Coral, you can't trade a Coral because of what he's shown you. Levert, I like Levert. I definitely think Levert is streaky, but Levert can give you that punch, especially when you need him to. So I think Levert definitely stays. Rubio... I'll say this about Rubio. I love Rubio. I definitely want to keep Rubio. But if we could potentially flip Rubio for something better, which I know we we won't, that would be a plus. You got Dean Wade. Dean Wade is exceptional is exceptional in his role. He does exactly what we asked him to do. Lamar Stevens, same thing. Whenever we need him to start, he comes in, does the job well. 
plays defense on the top score each and every night we we ask him to. So those are things that you cherish. We have a chemistry over here in Cleveland. These guys have been playing with each other for the last two to three to five years, even six years with Osmond and Love. It's, it's a chemistry there to where I wouldn't mind not making a trade. I wouldn't mind making not making a move unless, you know, we're trading Raul Neto or Robin Lopez. But I just think the, the chemistry is there. We don't break it up. We have something special. We get that veteran experience in the playoffs from love if we decide to keep love. The sky's the limit for the Cavs. So the only team I'm wishing three o'clock comes faster for is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because I honestly wholeheartedly don't want them to make any moves. If we make a move, I hope it's preferably Neto, Robin Lopez, or even Yeti Osman. But really as constructed, we are dominant. We are a scary team. Super Bowl Sunday, guys. Let me just give a quick prediction what I think potentially might happen in this Sunday Super Bowl game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I definitely think if the Chiefs can get pressure on Hurts early, get them rattled, something that hasn't happened a lot in these playoffs to Hurts. You have a shot at winning the game. Spagnola is very good at bringing the heat, bringing the pressure, disguising it at that. So uh, I definitely think if the Chiefs can put pressure on Jalen Hurts, maybe get back there a couple of times, Chris Jones, get a few three and outs in the Super Bowl, then the Chiefs can definitely get the one-ups on them. The only My only issue with the Chiefs is their offense and their receivers. How healthy will your receivers be throughout this duration of the game? How healthy will Kadarius Toney be? How healthy will Juju be? I don't know if McCall is going to play. Sky Moore, how, you know, how healthy will these guys be going into this big game? I think that will play a pivotal part. You know these guys are going to, I will hope these guys suit up. It's probably the biggest game of their lives. Does it change how the Eagles approach the Chiefs? I don't know how the Eagles are approaching the Chiefs. I would think you would try to... Now that the Chiefs don't have Kelsey... I mean, not Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you can find ways to put more pressure on Kelsey. But I think it's been a little harder for teams to do that this year because you don't know what to expect. I mean, obviously, you know Mahomes is going to go to Kelsey. But you just, like, it's just that. I don't, you got to be, I'll just say, you have to play in between that. If you double cover Kelsey, Mahomes is so great that he can find other guys and make plays for those other guys. And if you don't, you know, give that extra help to Kelsey, Kelsey can burn you with a short pass and he can take it 20, 30 yards. And now the Chiefs got momentum. They're in field goal range. And boom, here comes this next big play, even by Pacheco running the ball or somebody getting an RPO and taking it all the way to the house to, to clean the drive. 
So I think that's the risk reward thing you have to take with the Chiefs. If you double cover Mahomes, I mean, if not Mahomes, if you double cover Kelsey, you might have some issues with the one-on-one coverage. I don't think that with the Eagles because the Eagles have lockdown corners. I just think if they do try to do it, maybe, you know, put two guys in the same area as Kelsey at all times, maybe Mahomes burns them a few times. I don't think that Eagles defense had has to be has been tested, excuse me, has been tested by a really good quarterback yet. I think Mahomes is definitely going to be the one to do it. I think Mahomes is definitely going to get these guys to, hey, big play slay. Let's see if you're a big play slay when I throw this deep ball to Kadarius Tony. You know, just things like this. So it's a double-edged sword there. You go whichever way you want to go. The Eagles offense is so dynamic as well. You know, the RPO option, it hurts wants to take it. How do you play it to where if he doesn't, you know, take it and hands it off to Sanders or if he throws it to Goddard or if he hits A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith on a slant or, you know, the uh, I forgot what it's called, but the bubble route. Yes, the bubble route. Hit him with the bubble route. You can't just. That's why it's so dynamic. And with Jalen Hurts being able to use his legs so effectively, it's hard to stop. Willie Gay is fast. That's the guy I think that will be probably on the containment for or, you know, the spy for Hurts in this this game. I think Willie Gay will be that guy. I just think that offense is too dynamic. I don't know how the Chiefs play it. The Chiefs like to blitz. Screen plays will be there a lot. Maybe the RPO will be there if they blitz and they bite. I don't know. It's so dynamic. But here's the thing that I'll say about that as well. The Eagles have yet to have a bad game offensively. So I don't want to say they're due for one. I just hope the moment isn't too big to where these guys, and I know Hurts. Hurts is a patient and poised quarterback. He's a humble quarterback. I don't think any spot, any spotlight is too big for him. I don't think he will fold. When you're a kid, when I'm going to talk about his Alabama, when you're a kid or I'll say a young man in that case, you get, I'll definitely say for me, you get, Big eye, you, when you see the cameras and the lights and all of this stuff flashing, people chanting your name, this, that, and the third, you just fall into the moment. And so, <clears throat> with Hurts National Championship, you know, ordeal him being benched, I think it probably made no i'm not gonna say probably it did it made him ready for this moment i just don't want it to be a bad game i don't want you know no injuries 
Just make sure this is a clean game. The refs don't decide it. I'll give the Chiefs the edge, maybe 27-16. It might be a lot of scoring. It might not. But I'll give the Chiefs the edge 27-16, and I'll put this little tip on it. Travis Kelsey breaks that catching record in the Super Bowl. I'll say that. So the Chiefs win the game 27-16. This is Rich's prediction right here. 27-16 Chiefs. Kelsey breaks that tight end passing pass catching remark. All he needs, I think, is 14. It's not impossible. He did it in the first game uh, with Chad Hinton and Pat Mahomes throwing to him. So I don't think it's impossible. So that being said, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Rich Sports. Try to keep it consistent for you. Clean cut. We're going to go in depth. Each and every night I get on this podcast to talk to you guys about sports. Hope you guys have a great day. Enjoy your day. Be successful. And stay focused. Peace.